So it's good to be back inside to be able to have the video for you guys to be entertained by while I get everything ready. Um, also, though, I had been accused, I'm not going to say by who, um, but I had been accused of uh, explaining what the whole Sunday School series was every week as a way to just take up time at the beginning so I didn't have to come up with more stuff to talk about. Um, and so since the video kind of explains it, I don't have to uh, redo it every time now. So, um, <clears throat> so maybe you'll get out of here shorter, or maybe I'll just take it as an opportunity to say more things. <laughs> All right, who do you think we're talking about today? Bam! There he is. Yep, Jesus is making the story today. Um, yeah, so Jesus, in our story today, he is uh, headed from one place to another. And uh, you might say, well, Andy, that's a little vague. Where is he coming from? Where is he going? And I say, it doesn't matter for the story. So you don't need to know. Um, so Jesus is walking along. And uh, there's always people that are crowding around him. And he's got his disciples going with him and everything. And, and uh, as he's walking... He gets met by a dude. And this dude comes up to him and says, Hey, Jesus, I've been hearing all the things you've been talking about. You seem to have a pretty good amount of authority. Um, and so I need to ask you a question. And uh, Jesus says, All right, ask away. The dude says, Jesus, what do I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus looks at the guy and says, Well, there's the Ten Commandments. And he starts naming some of the Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't lie, don't kill, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I do all of that. But what else do I need to do to have eternal life? So Jesus looks at the guy and he realizes what the guy is really asking. And so he says, all right, you're right. You do do all those things. Um, but here's what else you need to do. You need to sell all your stuff give the money away, and then follow me. Of course, Jesus' disciples, they've heard that line before, and there they are following. The guy looks at Jesus, and he doesn't really respond. He essentially just drops his head, realizes that there's no way he's going to do it, and he leaves. And that's the end of the story. And that's kind of a depressing end to the story. Um, but many of the things that Jesus had to say while he was here saying things, and we were recording what he was saying, um, many of the things that he had to say were extremely comforting. Um, but some of what he said was confusing. Um, some of the things he said was insensitive. Uh, some, some of the things he said seemed to be impossible. And um, some were revolutionary. Some were just downright offensive and caused people to leave. And this conversation that Jesus has with this guy, and we're going to bring this guy back out, even though he left, just so he can feel his shame the whole time we're talking about him. Um, th this conversation deals with a subject that quite possibly causes the most distrust of any other conversation uh, towards churches today towards the idea um, of religion, because, because of the way um, that the church has handled this conversation um, and this issue, it, it has gained a reputation that unfortunately I would have to say is not wholly unearned. 
Um, there's a reason that the church has the reputation. And because of that reputation, there are some very specific steps that we take here at Tapestry when we do things. Now, the conversation reveals something in this young guy. First of all, this dude's wealthy. Um, I think anytime there's purple and gold together in, uh, in our flannel graph uh, series that, that portrays wealth. Um, and so this guy's, this guy is wealthy. Um, and this, he discovers something about himself in this conversation that up until he had this interaction with Jesus, I don't think he really knew about himself. Right. And, and he discovers this is that he did not own his wealth. His wealth actually owned him. It was his master, and he found himself facing a choice um, under the glaring spotlight of truth that Jesus had just shown right on him. So the, the, the biblical account of this passage is found in uh, Mark chapter 10. And um, usually there's like little uh, headlines over different parts of the scriptures, if you've got that kind of Bible, and it tells you what you're getting ready to talk about. This one's called the rich young ruler. Um, that's how I knew he was rich, not really by the purple. We're just... We're just going with that. But the rich young ruler, and, and he was not following Jesus. This dude was religious, to be sure. He was religious. But as we'll see, he was not a follower of Jesus. He had heard the stories going around about Jesus, and um, he decided he was going to pay him a visit. And he wanted to talk to Jesus because he had this burning question that was just eating him up, that he wanted um, to get an answer for, and he had not found a satisfying answer anywhere else for this question, right? And so here's the scriptural account of the story. As Jesus started on his way, verse 17, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Oh, maybe we'll get him on his, does that work? <laughs> All right, so he, fell, <laughs> yeah, so he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I, and here's the key word for our conversation today. What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Right, and here's what the guy really wanted to know. He wanted to know, once I die, I want to rest assured that everything's going to be okay. I want to make sure that everything's going to be okay. Because he had done everything he knew up to that point to please God. But he wasn't sure it was enough. He had no peace in his spirit about, I've been good enough. I've done enough of the right things. He had no confidence, right? And Jesus seemed to be a man from God as far as the stories that he had heard. So maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus could tell him what he needed to do to have confidence that everything was going to be okay when he died. But the response that Jesus gave him was not anything this dude was expecting, right? It wasn't. Jesus asked a question that focuses on the completely wrong part of what this guy just said. Here's what Jesus said. He goes, good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus says, why, why do you call me good? This guy's like, wait, 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 What? Like I ask you about eternal life and everything that needs to be done, like to make sure that's all interesting. And you, you're worried about the greeting that I used. He's probably thinking like, I didn't even probably put that much thought into the greeting, right? But this is interesting because the Greek word that the guy used here in our story today for good um, did not mean that he thought Jesus was a good teacher. Even though he says 
good teacher. No, it it it, it meant that that um, the, it meant that he was a good man. He was a good person. It didn't go to his abilities, that word good. It went to who he was, his character, good, right? And so there was something inherently good about Jesus. But here's what Jesus says. Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Long pause. This guy's probably just like, wait, what? <laughs> but Jesus said, no, no, no. You just called me good, but only God is good. So what are you, rich young ruler, what are you implying, right? Why, why did you say, what are you suggesting there with that? What are, you, what are you saying with that? Are you somehow connecting me with God? <laughs> and then the young guy's probably thinking like, oh, I heard you would do this to people. <laughs> I heard that people would ask you questions and then you would start saying things that didn't seem to have anything to do with the question and would confuse people and they didn't know what was going on, that you would change the subject. I knew, I knew, I knew you were gonna do this. Jesus keeps going. He says, you know the commandments. And because Jesus knew exactly what this guy was getting at. Like he, he, this guy wanted the system, right? He wanted the, okay, what are the check, what are the boxes that I have to check to make sure that, I, that I'm okay, right? Well, what are the things that I have to do? What is the process I have to undergo to get what I want from God? Right, because I want eternal life. That's my end goal. So what do I need to do? Give me the instructions. I will follow the instructions. How do I work the system? So Jesus plays along. He starts giving him the commandments. Here's what he says. He says, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Like Jesus was just going right down the whole list. Right, Here's the, but the guy gets kind of frustrated and he cuts Jesus off. Jesus doesn't get all 10 out. Um, before, before he cuts him off. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. In other words, okay, I know I asked you this question, but don't sit here and list to me the 10 commandments like I've never heard them before. Like I know the 10 commandments. Like I've been keeping them all of my life. I've done these things since I was a kid. I'm good too, but I still feel like I'm missing something here in your answer, Jesus. And then look at this, verse 21. Jesus looked at him, and loved him. That's an interesting thing to just stick there in the middle of the story. But this is huge because this is something that the church has missed from the minute it gained. And when I say the church, I don't just mean us. I just don't mean the American church, but yes, but like the church. From the minute the church gained any sort of influence, the church has gotten this part wrong over and over again. But there was something that rose up inside of Jesus when he's got this person in front of him, when he looked at this guy who seemed to be sincerely searching for an answer, right? And Jesus knows he's about to like shine this bright spotlight on this dude to expose what he really is thinking, what he really feels and what he needs to do. But before he did that, his heart went out to him. He loved him. He felt compassion for him. Like that's a big part that the church misses. We've got our answers. We've got our instructions. We've got the things we're going to condemn, you know, but we do real good at those things. But this stopping to love people first, historically, 
the church has not been good at this part. So Jesus looks at this guy and he views him with compassion and love, not disdain and judgment, right? And he gives him one last opportunity to make the right choice. One last opportunity to do the right thing, to come to the conclusion of who he really was or maybe who he really wanted to be. And the disciples, they, they were listening to this and they probably perked up, right? Because, you know, when they heard what Jesus said next, they were like, yeah, we've heard this. One thing you lack, he said. And the guy was probably like, ah, finally we're getting to it. You go through all that other stuff. Okay, I heard you would do that. But now you're getting ready to tell me one thing you lack. And I, I picture him like pulling out his notebook. All right, here's what I got to do. Here's my one thing. Give it to me, Jesus. But Jesus didn't give him one thing. Jesus gives him three things. Here's what he says. One thing you lack. Go, sell everything that you have. And I imagine the guy was like, I'm not going to write that one down. <laughs> Sell everything, right? Do what? The guy's heart probably sank at that point, right? Probably sank to his stomach, but it gets worse. He's like, okay, okay, give everything. All right, Jesus, keep going. Don't, don't start, keep going. And give to the poor. <laughs> Still not writing. <laughs> He's probably wondering why did, why, why did I ask this question in front of people? Give to the poor. And you, Jesus tells him, you will have treasures in heaven. To which he must have been thinking, Jesus, God, I can't be hearing you right. I can't, right? I can't, I can't. Give away everything in order to have treasure in heaven. Yeah, yes. Then, Jesus says, then come following me. Come follow me. So this guy asks Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus responds with, sell everything Give it away, follow me. To which the guy was like, no, no, no. I'm not gonna do those things. Jesus, you misunderstood, the guy would say, I think. You misunderstood. You see, I, all I wanted was eternal life. I, I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to have to change everything that I'm doing. I'm just like, well, what do I need to add? right? Just give me another law to follow. Give me something else to do. Like, I, I, Jesus, a system. I'm working a system here, right? Let me check it off. And you want me to sell, give, and follow? The disciples are thinking, yep. When we gave up everything, we followed. We just left family, sitting on the boat. Left them without help. We just, psh, that's what we did. And we read this today, right? If you're a church person, you probably are thinking, wait a minute. That's not even the right answer, is it? Like, how do you get eternal life? Because I'm pretty sure everything I learned in church was believe in Jesus and confess your sins, right? I mean, isn't that the, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole Romans road. Anybody familiar with the Romans road? As they pull out all of these individual, sometimes out of context, scriptures and like put them together. Like, here's the list of things you got to do to be saved. You know, confess your sins, admit you're a sinner, you know, believe in Jesus, do these things. None of those, that's, that's not what Jesus tells this guy when he asks how to get eternal life. That's not, so is that even the right answer that Jesus gives him? Of course it is because it's Jesus, right? So listen, here's a small clue for you is you're trying to figure out things in the Bible. If what you think 
is different from what Jesus says, you're wrong. <laughs> now, if you want to, you know, if you want to talk about some of the other areas, maybe you and Paul disagree a little bit. I might, I might fall on your side there. You and Jesus disagree? Sorry, you're, you're wrong. So when I look at that Jesus answer, and I'm like, well, that's not the answer I would have given. I'm like, hmm, my answer must not have been right. Jesus gives the right answer. Right, because Jesus knew something about him and was getting ready to look at the defining issue in this guy's life at this point, because this guy wanted to figure out how to work the system. Um, he wanted to be in control. He wanted to get what he wanted from God, which is in this case was eternal life, right? Which he thought, you know, to him, he thought eternal life was going somewhere nice after you died. Like that was his, that was his idea, right? But Jesus was after something completely different than what this guy was after. He wanted to expose the world to the truth that more than anything else, more than anything, God wants our love and he wants our loyalty and he wants our heart. That is what God wants from us. God didn't send Jesus into the world to establish another code of conduct. We had enough code of conduct. There's laws, there's rules. Like it was all laid out. Eternal life is about relationship. It's about relationship. It isn't a destiny or it isn't simply heaven or living forever. It's none of that. There's more to it than that. I mean, there's some of that. But Jesus looks at this guy and he's like, okay, I'm gonna give you an answer. And that answer is I'm going to invite you to follow me. And in following me, you will find relationship and you will find that eternal life that isn't a destination. But here's what I know about you, young man. Here's what I know. I know that your primary loyalty is your wealth. It's your stuff. And in order to connect with me, the way that we really need to connect, you need to deal with your primary loyalty. You've got to liquidate your wealth. Well, later on, Jesus defines eternal life for us in case there's any confusion. And Johnny says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, who you have sent. You, you wanna know eternal life? He tells, the, he tells this guy, he says, leave your wealth. Start a relationship with me. And in that moment, this young man discovers about himself that his primary ambition in life was not to discover how to have eternal life. That's not what he was after. His primary ambition was to have control and to use God and in this case, Jesus, to get what he wanted. And there was, <laughs> there was something that really he wanted more than eternal life and a relationship with God. And that was his stuff. He discovered that his wealth owned him and it owned him to the point that he looks into the eyes of the son of God, the Messiah come to earth who had just offered him to come with him and have relationship. He looks him in the eyes and he says, no, thank you. No, thank you. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. In other words, he says, Jesus, I have too much stuff to give it up and follow you. 
too much. I'm busy. I'm important. I have things to manage. Being wealthy, he probably had people to manage. Right? And in that moment, he discovered what many of us might discover is that his stuff and his pursuit of stuff and having stuff, it owned him. And, and here's why this passage is so important. Because this is really just a simple little story, but, but here's why it's important. It, it's, it holds this principle for us. And, and some of you, listen at home, some of you in the room today may be, may be a little of an uncomfortable because maybe, maybe, maybe you think, well, the application of this passage seems to be pretty clear. Uh, if you really love Jesus, liquidate your life and give it away. <laughs> That's a scary proposition, right? You know, there's something you think like, okay, where's he going? What's going to be the ask at the end? Right, there's going to be an, we're talking, we're bouncing off the money subject. Um, he's obviously going after something. What's that? I knew, I knew. I knew if I was around long enough, money would come up, <laughs> right? You can't be part of a church without money, you, you know, coming up. This is just a, mm, he's going to ask us to give a bunch of money, probably to sow a seed, you know, like this is, that's what's coming, right? And if we don't, if we don't do it, it's because we're slaves to our stuff. And so we're looking Jesus in the face and saying, no, so really, 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 I knew it all this time. This is just a clever way to get into my pocket. Here's, here's, here's the point. Is that tension that maybe you're feeling, but a lot of people feel anytime preachers start talking about money. Um, that's a tension that you need to feel, right? Because nothing competes more for your love for Christ than your management of your wealth or lifestyle. Like it is the number one competition, right? And nothing, nothing competes more for your heart and tugs against your surrendering to what God wants to do in your life or might have you do more than your quest for stuff, more than money. And God knows that. He knows that this is why in your Christian experience, you will have, if you haven't already had, you will have a defining moment financially when God says to you, I want you to give a significant amount of money to me or my kingdom, something that is going on that I am doing. It, it will happen, right? And, and, and listen, significant amount is really relative, <laughs> to how much you have. For some people, a significant amount has several zeros on the end of it. For some of us, a significant amount might only have one zero on the end of it. It's not about the amount that you give. It's about what that amount means to you. But in that moment, when you feel God pushing you in that direction, you're gonna discover about your, something about yourself you're going to discover whose you really are. Are you God's or are you your money's? You will discover that because you can do all the right things, follow all the rules, but nothing, nothing will get to the core quicker of where your devotion lies. Whether you, you know, whatever amount of money you have, that God asking you to give some of it away, that'll get right to the heart of how devoted you are to God 
as opposed to your stuff, right? So in that moment of, wait, God, did I hear that right? Like, I'm thinking this number, but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just having, you know, maybe I had bad dinner last night, not feeling well this morning. God, are you really saying give this number? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you want to be honest about it, God doesn't need your money. Right? God doesn't need your money because it, it's not really about the money. That's why when Jesus told him to sell it, Jesus didn't say liquidate everything you have and then give it to my treasurer and then come with me and we'll do great things. No, it's not about the money for Jesus. He said, liquidate what you have, go give it away to people. I don't care who. Well, he did say to the poor, give it to the poor and then come follow me. Because it isn't about the money. It's about his heart. And it's about your heart. Right? And every time I talk about money here at Tapestry over the years, if you've been with us, you know the sentence I'm getting ready to say. That is this. Well, unless we have a specific project we're working on. But here's what I say. God wants you to give to make sure your heart's in the right place. And I want you to give to make sure that your heart's in the right place. But it's not about the money. So if you don't know us or trust us enough or buy into what we're doing enough, don't give it here. But give it somewhere. Like it's not about the money to me, just as like it's not about the money to Jesus. Now, full cards on the table and I might get an amen from one of my uh, finance committee members back here. COVID has killed us. Uh, we, we, we've lost 70% of our income over the last year. We're currently running at negative $2,000 a month. It doesn't take long to figure out that at negative $2,000 a month, <laughs> we're not going to be around long. But it's not about that. So yes, I would love for you, if you are a part of us, I would love for you to give to us. But that's not what it's about. It's not about the money. Just give somewhere. It's about what has control over your heart. What has control over your priorities? That's how Jesus approached it. That's how I'll approach it. I would rather have you here following Jesus and your money go somewhere else than you being here just hoarding your stuff. That's what I would rather because that's what Jesus would rather. Now, Jesus didn't say, give me the money. He said, give it away. And this is why this is such a big deal because every once in a while, Jesus will knock on your financial door and ask you to give some, and you'll, you'll figure out whose you really are. Because if you're in love with Jesus, and you're committed to Jesus, you know, you don't slam on the brakes when you hear him say, give away some money. Or you don't slam it on. You, you say, all right, God, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. But if you're resisting, you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Then here's what you know. 
perhaps your stuff owns you. God may be important, to be fair, but not the priority. And you won't really know until you're asked to give some of it away. Right, and if you're a believer, these moments are gonna come. I had one of these moments when I was young. And when you're young, a little bit of money seems like a lot of money, right? Some of you are like, what, when you're young? Like now a little bit of money seems like a lot of money. But I was in a service and um, I was in my early 20s and I was, I can't even remember what I was doing at the time. I don't know, maybe mowing yards for a living, like just nothing, nothing major. And so it was like, if I had Taco Bell money by the weekend, like things were good. And um, this evangelist comes in and is speaking to the church and I didn't really care that much for what the evangelist, like nothing about this guy like impressed me. I was just like, okay, here's a guy. All right, whatever. Well, offering time came around and they were all the, whatever the offering was going to be given to him. It's a love offering for those of you who grew up in church. It was the love offering time. And, um, man, those ushers started coming closer and closer. And all of a sudden, like, clear as day in my head, like, as if, like, I could hear the voice of God. It was like, you need to give $400. I was just like, what? No, I don't think I need to do that. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. They're coming closer and closer, and I'd got my checkbook out. I was going to do, like, $25. I was like, dang it. $400 $400 just kept going through my I'm like, I can't, I can't, I don't, I'm like, I'm not even sure I've got enough in there to cover that check, like $400. And it was as clear as anything has been clear to me in my life. That it was like in that moment as that pen was hovering over the check, it was as if God spoke straight to my heart. It was like, are you following me or not? Do you trust me or not? What's more important to you? Stuff and money are following me. And yes, you can look back and there's every reason in that moment to argue why it was foolish to write that big of a check for me at that time, why it was irresponsible, you know, why, you know, I didn't even know what it was going through, just some going to, just some guy coming through, giving a sermon that I didn't know. You know, I did, there was every reason to talk myself out of it. But somehow I knew in that moment that this was a defining moment for me. Am I going to value my money or am I going to value what I think God wants me to do? Even if I think it's kind of crazy. And I made a choice. Luckily, I made the choice to give the money. If I hadn't, I would not have told any of that story. (laughs) But I made that choice and it was as if It was as if when I tore that check off the pad and I dropped it into that offering bag going by, it was almost as if I was dropping a set of shackles and chains in that thing. Just the the weight that I felt lifted off of me was incredible. So if all of you want to feel that, $400 in the box. No, I'm just kidding. The point is, is like, are you going to let it control you or are you going to serve God. And there's probably been times in your life, just statistically speaking, that that you've said no to God because of money. But I'll tell you something, the kingdom of God went on without you. (laughs) Like it didn't stop anything from happening. 
because the actual money isn't the point. Now, I, I don't know what happened to this guy after he left. I can only guess. Um, but in the months to follow, here's my guess. In the months to follow as he's hanging around town, he probably saw more of the crowds drawn to Jesus. He probably heard about the reputation that Jesus gained in some of the miracles that he performed. He might have been around and heard about Jesus being crucified and then catching wind of a resurrection. He might have been in Jerusalem when thousands of people made the decision to put their faith in this man as the Messiah. And I can only imagine as he was watching that happen, that the moment would replay over and over and over in his head, where he got a personal invitation from Jesus, follow me. And he said, no. He said, no. In the middle of all of the excitement and Jesus's reputation building, and the, and the crowds gathering, he had that moment and he allowed his wealth to rob him of the opportunity because his wealth owned him. And listen, none of us, none of us are gonna be lying on our deathbed and thinking to ourselves, man, I, I wish I would have spent more money. Nope, none of us are gonna be lying on our deathbed thinking, oh, I wish I'd have consumed more. I wish I'd have collected more things. But depending on what you do between now and then will determine if you can look at your heavenly father and say, I leveraged my money for you because I loved you. Or if you have to say, the truth is, I loved my money more. And I used you. So the point of the story really is simple. And the whole idea for today is really simple. And this passage signs a light on all of us because how you would respond to Jesus asking for a significant amount of money lets you know whose you are. And so if you picture yourself in that situation, what you would do, you got to ask yourself, well, now that I know whose I am, what am I going to do about that? Because now your loyalties are laid bare. It isn't the money, it's the heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you um, for these stories that we have preserved in the scriptures that, that constantly force us to evaluate ourselves. It forces us to evaluate how much we're actually following you, how much we're actually committed to you, that, that forces us to evaluate where we stand in different things in life. And, and Father, with this, with this story today, Lord, this, this is one that this has gotten in the way of a whole lot of people following you. And Lord, I pray that that not be the story of anyone in this room or listening to this message. Father, let us be able to rest confident in the fact that we are not owned by our material possessions, but that we belong to you and that you are our priority, not the things we can attain. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. 
in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out today. I hope all of you fathers have a great Father's Day. Um, I encourage all of you to be here next week. And I know I let the cat out of the bag last week that I won't be here next week. Um, But we have uh, someone coming in to speak and I think you are going to enjoy her immensely. And so I hope that you all come and support next week. Uh, Have a great day.